0: And welcome to Make Mine Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Jake Hill.
1: And I'm Elias Rosner. And this week we're back with another Baseline X, debating whether or not to join the Marvel Knights Federation and the Hamiltons of the Marvel
0: Universe. Oh, I thought that said Black Knight, and I got really excited because I love Black Knight. (laughs) Excelsior. (laughs) Um, but I didn't like that recent Black Knight issue by Cy Spurrier. Oh, that's unfortunate. I he was going for a whole thing; it just didn't work for me. Oh well, it happens. But that, happens. that That's not an X Men book. I'm sorry. I'm jumping the gun. It's Marvel, so it counts. But we're talking. Um, we're doing baseline X.
1: That we are. It is time. So for those of you who are new, new to our pod, and are just jumping in, every month uh, we look back at. Not necessarily the previous month when the episodes go live, but uh, the last full month uh, since we've recorded of all of the X Men titles that have come out since House of X and Powers of Ten, including House of X and Powers of Ten, and we rank them top to bottom, favorite least favorite to favorite, uh, and yeah, that's about it.
0: Yeah, and we're talking every single series. In yeah. the Krakoa era of X-Men. So we're talking um, the House of X, Powers of mini miniseries. We are talking about every canceled series, every mini series, every ongoing series, everything in the whole era we are ranking it. There are 17 series in our list. Is that the right number, Elias? I hope I'm getting the right number. Yep, we're at 17 right now. Uh, some of them have concluded. Some of them continue on. There will be more. Our list will get bigger. Do you want to start, oh, Elias?
1: God, it'll get so big.
0: I, I, uh, how many do you think at the end of the Hickman era do you think we'll have on the list of uh, baseline X? Number of series. Is, yeah, I think.
1: I think we're gonna clear twenty five.
0: Oh, easily. I don't
1: know. I don't know how many we're actually going to get.
0: I was gonna guess thirty five. That's my number.
1: Oh, really? Because I'm wondering how many new titles we're gonna get because a lot some of the, a lot of these titles are still running. It doesn't feel like they're they're reaching their end. but also we haven't even reached like even a little bit into Act 2. So now that I'm revising that, I think yeah I think your 35 might be more accurate, especially if the landscape really changes during reign of X.
0: One of my bets for 2021 is that uncanny X-Men will return as a title and be about the uh, democratically elected X-Men team that we all voted on. Who'd you vote for? I missed the voting. Oh my God. I'm so sorry to have made you admit this on the podcast. Who would you have voted for?
1: I think I would have voted for, um, I don't remember the list now. I got to pull that up. Uh, Well, well, yeah. So while I'm doing that, I should kind of explain. So I missed the voting window because I read the issue two days too late. I was so mad. I read so I read all of these in order and I just got super busy during January. And Sometimes
0: you get busy. It happens. Yeah,
1: and I didn't get to read X-Men number 17 in time. And so here we are. But I think I would have voted uh to see Armor on the team.
0: That's who I voted for. So, yeah. I uh for once we agree about an X-Men thing.
1: <laughs> It'll never happen again.
0: And uh, w- and with that, will you tell me what's at the bottom of your list? Uh, is it any
1: surprise? It's still Fallen Angels.
0: Um, perhaps surprising for me, um, I have consistently ranked Wolverine at the bottom. But last month, for the first time, I ranked Fallen Angels as the 17th book. Fallen mm-hmm. Angels is at the bottom again.
1: Oh, Wow, wow. Wow. Yeah, my number 16 is the perennially sad Wolverine.
0: number 16 last uh, month was Wolverine, but this month my number 16 is X-Force.
1: Oh, shit. Does, okay, let, let's keep going. Let's number keep going. 15, I've got Giant Size.
0: At number 15, in the highest place it's ever been on my list, I have Wolverine.
1: Wow. wow. Number 14 is where I have X-Force.
0: Number fourteen, I have X Men, Fantastic Four miniseries.
1: Oh, I've got I've got X Men, Fantastic Four at number thirteen.
0: That's where I have a uh, giant size X Men at number thirteen.
1: Okay, at number twelve is where I've put Juggernaut. Uh, at
0: number twelve, I've got Empire X Men. Number eleven, I've got Empire X Men. You no, know what at number eleven? I got Juggernaut. <laughs> so we're pretty
1: we've got pretty decent consensus on where things are, but I think this next one might surprise you. at number 10, I have the flagship X-Men title.
0: That does surprise me. that's consistently been high on your list since we started doing this. Yeah,
1: it's it was consistently uh, for a long time number two uh, and now it is it has fallen from grace.
0: Um this is the top 10 now, and my number 10 remains cable. My number nine is cable. My number nine, uh, hugely fallen from its usual position, is Hellions.
1: Oh wow, wow! My number, my number eight, is New Mutants. My number eight is Sword. Oh, I got Marauders at number seven.
0: That's an insult to the greatest comic Marvel has ever published. At number seven, I have
1: regular X Men. Uh, I've got uh, Sword at number
0: six. Uh, nice. I've got. X-Factor at number six.
1: You wound me.
0: Six is a good position.
1: have it. It deserves better. I've got Excalibur at number five.
0: Number five is where I have Excalibur. Ooh, we match. Yeah, daily double. It's going
1: to give me less and less common going forward. Clearly. Number four, I've got Hellions, Helions, Hooligans.
0: (laughs) That book should be called Hooligans. Um, That would be a great name for a comic. And a team of X-Men. At number four, I have Ten of Swords.
1: Oh, I've got Ten of Swords at number three.
0: At number three, at the highest position it's ever occupied on my list, I have New Mutants. Wow. I never expected that. At number two, I've
1: got X-Factor.
0: At number two, I have uh, the classic, the masterpiece, uh, House of X, Powers of Ten.
1: And then at number one, I've got the undisputed champ, even better than X-Factor, whom I dearly love, House of X, Powers of Ten.
0: At uh, number one, I have uh, the greatest ongoing superhero comic ever from Marvel Comics, Marauders, by Jerry Duggan. It's very good.
1: Eh, I could take it or leave it. That's not true. I I would rather take it. So, we should talk about some of our big changes first of all why is wolverine above x-force um what about
0: x-force made you so disappointed x-force has been nothing for me what happened recently they like went into the ocean or something and namor was there and that was pretty cool i like namor i guess um but like i wasn't he didn't do anything that wowed me yeah um Whereas the most recent issue of Wolverine, I was kind of having fun with. It's Wolverine, he's in Madripoor. And Wolverine in Madripoor is never my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he's going to an auction. And, I, and like also, like, oh, super villain auction I've seen a million times, where they're auctioning off like weird, sadistic relics of their battles with the heroes. Yeah. But then the thing they're auctioning off is literally Wolverine's severed hand. <laughs> yeah. And... I don't know why that was just uh made me go huh, and Ben Percy kind of sold me on Wolverine's like longing for his own severed hand, and I just thought that that was what I wanted out of my superhero comics.
1: Fair enough, my I I didn't move Wolverine on my list mostly because it just it still doesn't feel like a Krakoa era book, and like your 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 comment bring that like really hit home why in addition to just i'm not that invested in wolverine to begin with
0: yeah and i i love wolverine uh, i think wolverine is one of marvel's best heroes like i really love wolverine i get why he's popular i understand why he has a million books i like i'm not a hater and it just feels like such a missed shot to like your greatest hero is in the best story he's been in 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 years and you just tell this story
1: yeah yeah and that's also how I felt about this story. I'm like, all right, he's going back to Madripoor. He's going back his patch. It's like really living the greatest hits. And the, the arm thing is very cool. And I think it'll be <laughs> an interesting story. But of all of these books, it's the one I'm least interested in. And that's saying something because X-Force literally had them just dick around for 20 pages.
0: Yeah, there was like uh, some romance stuff that was like you know kind of like cute and funny, I guess. I guess there's like stuff happening in those. Yeah, and I'm reading them, and even the worst X Men books right now are better than a lot of comics I'm reading. But pretty consistently, uh... yeah. Uh, Yeah, Those Ben Percy. I I don't know
1: what's up with Percy here, because normally, like I said, I really like the stuff at DC.
0: I don't know why I'm just not connecting with the his Marvel stuff. I. I always maintain that the transition from writing to writing comics is not as easy as a lot of people might think, mm-hmm. and that that I, and I and I believe that's what uh, I am seeing with, with Percy because I think with Percy a lot of it is like in scripting stuff and in clarity of uh, comic book storytelling and that stuff is hard. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, I, I started looking up his other writing because I've been thinking about him as a writer so much and I like his writing. It turns out I like his fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's like uh, there he, like maybe there's like an editor who could really uh, help help him with his chops there
1: maybe and maybe he's just not a great fit for the Marvel Universe at least not the X-Men
0: side I wonder how much uh, he's participating in the like writer's room because they all have a slack channel where they talk about story ideas and his feels so divorced from the rest of theirs
1: yeah I'm sure he is I'm, I'm really I'm pretty sure he is but
0: maybe he's just like not the kind of guy who checks his phone a lot you know
1: <laughs> maybe
0: he kind of strikes me that as, might be he kind of seems like the kind of guy who would just be like no I don't like look on my phone all the time yeah i like to be focused on things i love ben percy's voice if you've ever heard him speak he's amazing i th- I think he's a really cool guy i always feel bad that i'm knocking on his books in this
1: yeah yeah i feel that uh i gotta i got my list of books i want to talk about but where, where, where do you want to go next?
0: I mean, are we just jumping around? I guess my most dramatic yeah. mu- movement is that I rank New Mutants in number three, which is a very high position. Yeah. So what changed? Um Vita Ayala is what changed. Vida is on New Fair. Mutants now, and... Um, Newman's has been all over the place, but it's not been better than when Vita Yala has it. What's so amazing is clearly what Vita loves about X Men is what I love about X Men, and all the little character beats they're picking up on are is like exactly the kinds of. Um, there's like a bunch of Academy X kids, and there's just like interesting recent stories that got dropped, and they're just picking up um, a lot of them. And then they're also like doing a bunch of rehabilitation of these complicated, annoying characters like the Shadow King, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, and just like I. As a fan, my best pitch for an X-Men comic would be, like, what Vida is doing. It's just, like, Ugh. all of these different fun right. threads that are all good. And I hope they're being presented in a way where they're all, all these different characters seem intriguing to someone who's not familiar with them.
1: Uh, I mean, I still really love the book. And Vita is doing a lot. The only reason it's number eight is because... I really like all the other books more. <laughs>
0: the top ten like, is the top ten. Li- if you're in the top ten, that's great.
1: Literally, the top ten, the way they shook out is, these are the books that I like more, and they've just been more consistent. Like New Mutants, because Vita's only on it, been on it for a couple issues, it's still sitting further down. And I still really like New Mutants, but the others have been more consistently good.
0: That's true. Yeah, since this is a month-to-month ranking, I let them. Swing a little bit more wildly. Because I'm ranking how yeah. I feel about them that and, month.
1: And I feel that too. But I also. I do take a, a, a longer look at the, the books as well. Uh, and if a book has been very consistently good. Even if it n- hasn't necessarily been blowing me away. And another one has been all over the place. I'm depends on where it's going to sit. Uh, but Vita. I am very excited to see where this goes. Even though. I have no idea what's going on, necessarily. A lot's going with on. With the characters. Like, it feels it feels like there's a lot of stuff I don't know, but that's not necessarily important for me, for the new reader. Like, there, there's clearly stuff that would make more sense and make me go, oh, if I knew what was going on. But, like, all the stuff with the Shadow King, I'm like, what's his deal? Why is he messing around with the kids and making them, like, basically into the the lost boys in the woods but cult.
0: Ah uh, that's it that's his MO. Shadow King loves to do that. Shadow very intriguing. Oh um and I feel I'm like oh, I'm I'm so afraid for for <laughs> uh Cosmos. Yeah, Cosmos is the new kid.
1: Yeah, the new kid. I'm so afraid for them especially after uh what was it storm? Who was who was it who who tried to comfort cosmos to be like i'm not gonna put you th- no no it was one of the one of the five who's like i'm not gonna put you through through crucible or i'm not gonna be your partner in crucible
0: i think because... it, i think it was iliana i think it was magic oh it was magic yeah um and cosmos is like no there's been the, like, oh, there's been this recent theme in the x-men books of um people of mutants combining their powers and vita is the one who's like really selling it as this like spiritual connection like thinking of cool ways to combine your powers is like really Mm -hmm. intimate and um and like exciting and fulfilling and and and, like romantic they're just like selling this whole uh complex emotion and i think a lot of uh, different writers are talking about it and i like that theme a lot but vita is the one Mm -hmm. that's really making me feel it yeah all the reasons why i think that book is so tremendous right now
1: it is. It's very tremendous. Um, I... Marauders actually fell for me. Marauders fell for you? Yeah, Marauders fell for me, but that's because uh, it got pushed down by Sword, Excalibur, and uh, Hellions, Helian Hooligans, because I just really like their stuff this month.
0: Uh, Hellions is the one that fell for me, actually. Really? Yeah, Hellions felt I guess not far. a
1: lot happened in this last issue.
0: Yeah, it was the last issue specifically, which is the one—the last one I read was the one with Mastermind and Sinister, which was like a delight to read, and it's still a very fun book. It just um, I, uh, those dynamics were less exciting for me, and those characters—I I, I, there's like so many characters I'm excited to see him play with, and the Mastermind Sinister shenanigans were very uh, whatever to me. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's how it goes. I am very curious to see where Sword goes. I almost was like, I don't remember what happened in Sword, but I did remember what happened in Sword.
0: I just thought it happened in other books. Sword dropped pretty far for me because I actually don't like the King and in Black interrupting it. Sword is just oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, Sword's so exciting that just uh, having this King and Black uh, themed adventure so soon. Mm-hmm. It, like really is derailing my interest. It just like totally brings the pacing to a screeching halt.
1: Yeah, I I hate. I'm gonna say this now. I hate King and Black. Oh wow.
0: We, ha- uh, we haven't not talking in black
1: necessarily because it's bad, but because while I firmly believe every tie-in is better than the main series, I am constantly frustrated by every tie-in to an ongoing series for King and Black, it is ridiculous how frustrating it is. Uh, like, I hate... I did not think it was possible for me to dislike the Spider-Woman book more,
0: but King and Black made it so. I don't know that I read that issue, but um, I... It's multiple issues. Um, Ugh. I really like um, one book the way one book is handling it specifically, and that's Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil. Well, yeah. Um But it's Chip Zdarsky. Like. Yeah, but th- those tie-ins are so good, and it really could have derailed it because it's the uh, first arc where Elektra is now Daredevil. And this has never happened yeah. before, and it's such a good idea. I can't believe it took this long for this to happen. You would have thought they would have the done this. And the costume's so good. And the costume's so good. You should- would have thought this would have happened ten times by now. But... um, so this was Elektra's like first outing as Daredevil, her first adventure. And she has to deal
1: with big cosmic bullshit. Yeah, and it's
0: just, like, immediately just, like, goo monsters from space. And it's like, oh, yeah, Daredevil's most classic foe, goo monsters from space. But Zdarsky's so good that it already feels like one of Electra's, like, signature adventures where she's saving people (laughs) from these goo monsters. And then, like, Daredevil is contending with his soul in jail. And he's just, like, thinking about how he uh, worships God. But, like, if Venom has a God, then is God even meaningful? And I'm like, Zdarsky, you madman. Turning uh, shit to gold. (laughs)
1: Yeah. After this, we should talk about Juggernaut since it has wrapped up. Uh, This was the final issue number five this month.
0: Yeah, we could talk about Juggernaut. I like it. I don't think
1: there was a sixth. But first, I wanted to talk about X-Men and the big... Oh, that's right. uh, The big drop. artist-shaped hole in the uh, elephant in the room. Uh, yeah, so, I guess, yeah. yeah, we'll have this
0: conversation. X- I know what you want to
1: talk about. Yeah, X-Men fell. One, because the issue wasn't super interesting to me, uh, which is a shame because I'm sure there were a lot of ideas. Part of it was I was just completely distracted by the art. And I know a lot of people don't really like Lenlo Francis Yu's, or Lainil, I think it's Lainil.
0: Uh, Lainil. Because it's
1: l Millennial
0: oh, is how I've always said it. I've never been told. I've otherwise. always
1: typed it wrong because I always put the uh, the I after the N, but it turns out it's beforehand. So that's on me. <laughs> I have consistently been spelling it wrong. But I know a lot of people don't really love his art. His you know most of his faces they they could be a little static. uh, Yeah, but he's been drawn
0: the book since the beginning.
1: Yeah, he was on the book since the beginning. I liked his art. I thought it was a good fit. And then we got a few intermittent artists after he uh, decided to no longer be penciling full time. Uh, I believe it was because of the death of his inker, uh, Jerry Anguilan, which was a tragic loss and now he's only doing covers but we brought on and I don't believe he's going to be the regular artist I think he's just here for an, for an issue or two Brett booth yeah who has been working with uh, notorious garbage person S- Scott Lobdell over at DC for God almost a decade now um, Brett Booth is no stranger to the x-men I think he was he was one of the 90s artists drew them when i was a kid yeah and so he's back and his issue looks like it fell out of the 90s and was given a little bit of polish and i didn't like it in any way shape or form i don't like his art that's just i don't like it there's no quality judgment necessarily i just don't like it um Uh, but what i don't like about brett booth is the person and so i'm extra conflicted about this
0: um, I, so I, I, I read Brett Booth comics when I was a kid, um, X-Men specifically. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember turning the page, um, and seeing that artwork and I, um, I guess I didn't, it didn't, I didn't clock that he was the one drawing it. So I just, mm-hmm. um, for the first four pages, I was just like, oh wow, we're doing like a straight out of the nineties issue, huh? And then I saw it was Brett Booth. Um, and I knew there was something, but I didn't, uh. I didn't remember uh, what it was, so I uh, did some Googling, and, like, yeah, that's a—I'm uh, not sticking up for that guy. But um, just, like, looking at it as a 90s-style thing, if I, if I were to take him out of the equation, I really liked doing that for two issues, and I like that Hickman likes doing stuff like that. I liked it when he d- did issues like that in his Avengers run.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it reads great in trade too. It, it usually reads like an interlude, uh, in the story. He'll, they'll, it'll be like a different art style and he'll write a story like very much to the art style as he did in, um, the issues of giant size X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a bummer that that really, uh, ruins it for a lot of people. And I, yeah. uh, feel like, uh, that's the kind of thing that I, everyone should be considering.
1: Yeah. I, I think he should not have been brought on the book. I think if Hickman wanted to do this, he should have picked someone else. I genuinely believe that Brett Booth was the wrong person to bring over for both what he what he's said in the past, and also that the fact that he's he worked with Scott Lobdell exclusively for so long after all the stuff that came out about him, and it just it continues to baffle me. Uh, and I just I don't I don't know I. I think this is going to be a stain on this era in a way that probably was easily avoided. Like, it was very easily avoided. There are tons of better artists that could have represented the 90s uh, than than him. And he's still going to be getting he's going to be getting an issue in like the X-Men Generations one shot or something. Uh what was that? classic series. He, he's going to be working with uh, Fabian Nicieza on an on an issue.
0: Uh, yeah, I saw that when I was Googling him. I don't remember. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know what's going fell. on with that, but that's all fair. I don't that's think, think it would
1: have fallen if I just hated, if I just thought that the person wasn't great. I don't think I would have ranked X-Men as far down, but I just, I did not, I do not and did not like his art
0: um yeah that's fair if that killed that for you um i want to i want to take in a, uh, us in a little more of a positive direction i want to talk about one more book that uh rose for me that i really liked oh please and that is excalibur has been cooking since ten of swords ended oh yeah um i realized with excalibur one thing that the, that ten of swords really helped with is it raised the stakes and made them very clear which is great it whittled the team down a little bit because uh, a lot of people left under a lot of different circumstances, so it's a little bit more focused for a couple issues, and then it pulled back and it's pretty clear what the different elements of the story are, like uh, mm-hmm. Jamie Braddock is out there, and uh, but there's like a bunch of stuff going on with Druids and Otherworld and the Clan Akaba. There's just like, um we've introduced a bunch of villains, and now instead of just leaping from one thing to another... Now that the supporting cast and uh, rogues gallery has been established, now we're playing with them for a while. And it, it, this is like a really good zone for a Teeny Howard book, it turns out.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I don't have much to add other than Excalibur, y'all. We got Queen Elizabeth Braddock third.
0: Yeah, that issue was so cool. Exactly the kind of thing I would love to see... For Excalibur, I like that it's all been focused. Excalibur's been such an ensemble piece; it's been really fun to focus down on new uh, combinations of characters and solo characters. Yeah,
1: I kind of hope we get you know a team back together at some point. But
0: I also love that Timmy Howard made uh, Pete Wisdom uh, sucking lollipops all the time, like a <laughs> like a weirdo because he can't smoke in Mar- modern Marvel comics, and she's just like. Can't smoke. He's gonna have a lollipop fixation. That weirdo. And I'm just like, yeah, that's what Pete Wisdom's like. And I... It
1: could also be just replacing the
0: the habit. Uh, that Pete Wisdom easy. quit. Pete Wisdom didn't quit. Yeah, that scumbag. No, it's an
1: easy. It's an easy change in universe. He was forced to quit. <laughs> and so now it's just. And maybe because there's magic, it's nicotine lollipop. I don't know. There are ways around it.
0: Reed Richards exists. Nicotine lollipops exist. Yeah, I said it. Reed Richards has invented science cigarettes in the Marvel Universe. (laughs) In the 60s? Come on. He thought those things were good for you. (laughs) Probably. And then would probably
1: have uh, forced them on people because they're good for them. Yeah, Reed Richards sucks.
0: Yeah. But we like it when Hickman writes him.
1: True, because he knows
0: how to write him so that he sucks in a fun way <laughs> a lot or of people are in wrote an him evil in, way in a fun way john byrne wrote him in, uh, sucking in a fun way <laughs> all right juggernaut juggernaut um yeah juggernaut was a thing i had a lot of fun with juggernaut at the end it's not gonna uh rock my world or anything but it definitely wasn't a bad book i thought yeah. fabio nichias hadn't missed a step like uh I, one of the books I read when I first came back into comics was uh, his run on Cable and Deadpool, which I have a lot of affection to to this day. I, you know, college kid me thought that was very funny. Mm -hmm. I would love to go back and be embarrassed by the Battlestar Galactica jokes now. Um as you do yeah like you do and um, yeah and he has just like uh, I feel like a lot of those guys that you love from when you were a kid uh, you find out that they're a creep or just like uh, it turns out they were never that good and you were just a stupid kid but Nietzsche as it turns out was always great I loved him when I was a kid and I didn't know that I was loving him and I love that his books right now still feel like fresh without being too try hard I loved the generational conflict between Juggernaut and D-Cell I thought that was just like very fun and uh, bantery Mm mm-hmm it, there was no, like, uh, weird get-off-my-lawn tone, and it was just, like, uh, these two characters are bouncing off each other in a fun way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then they went on a bunch of adventures, and they fought a Nazi made out of bees, and a bunch of, and, like, some quicksand lady, and it was all cool, and it just all a bunch of stuff happened, like a comic series should be, but then at the end, I felt real emotions when Juggernaut did the right thing and helped Diesel, uh, come out as a mutant and embrace that part of herself and move to Krakoa, and, um he interacted with his supporting cast like professor x and black tom and just like did the loner thing where he's just like i know i don't belong with you i don't belong with anyone and i was just like all right Juggy, you got some pathos fabian really you did good boy
1: yeah i i mean i had the same thing with you i had a lot of fun with it uh but it, it felt kind of inconsequential Which
0: isn't a bad thing. I think that's by by design. I think uh, they kind of insisted at the beginning that this wasn't even really part of Dawn of X or Reign of X. Yeah. I do think
1: it suffered a little bit from being disjointed between issues. Like, I never felt, when I reached the end, like the series had uh, a coherent thread...
0: That's just kind of. Even
1: though each, even though each issue was kind of a fun adventure on its own, I reached the end and I went, "That's it? I'm like, it felt like it was missing something the entire time," Uh, and I think part of that might be it was structured like it should have been thirty issues,
0: but (laughs) it ran for five. Well, you've read, uh, we've read on the club. We've read some like seventies comics and stuff. Uh, it's just kind of like a more old fashioned style, right? We're just like zipping along, and just like a lot of stuff is happening, and either like the stuff clicks with your. Um, my favorite comic I, yes, writer, I think... who writes that style, but mo- yeah. like in the modern day, is um, mm-hmm. when Fred Van Lente does superhero books. They're always like that. Mm. They're like madcap series mm-hmm. of things, but the things are so great that you're just like, wow. Um, one of yeah, if we ever read, but it
1: didn't really feel madcap.
0: Yeah, it, well, that's because um, yeah, it just it didn't. The things didn't have a lot of personality or impact, but they were kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were. There's um, a, an issue of Taskmaster by Fred Van Lente that ends next, a village of Hitlers. And there's just a picture of like an entire town full of people and they all have little Hitler mustaches. And Taskmaster's just like, what? And um, it, it's exactly the right kind of tone for that kind of like 10 things happen in one issue adventure. <laughs> He's he's the master of that. Love you Fred Van Lenti, you genius. Wow. <laughs> I think uh Nietzsche has the opposite
1: problem of Percy. Uh it, when he was over at DC cleaning up uh after uh Nightwing got shot in the head and became Rick Kama Greason, <laughs> it was trash. Uh I I mean that that is a
0: very technical term. Well, don't I, don't throw the uh, the part timer in like the continuity heavy deep dive. You know, throw him in for a zippy miniseries where the beats don't matter.
1: Yeah, I, I think he was he was the wrong pick, and the, he was writing with someone else. I don't know that that whole section was a a mess, whole
0: mess. Fortunately, but this ain't here, a DC podcast, so we can celebrate Nietzsche's good Marvel work. Yeah,
1: but here it was it was a lot of fun, and. I think more could have been done, and but now I, I'm excited to see more of D Cell. I'm, I like Juggernaut again. I do. There was one thing, and I don't know if I parsed this wrong, but it, it seemed like Professor X, like like he said, he couldn't go through the,
0: the Krakoa portal,
1: the the Krakoa door, because he's not a mutant. Yeah, he's. I don't understand that. Juggernaut's not a mutant.
0: But then why is he always? considered a mutant Uh, he is not uh he is always included with the x-men because he's professor x's stepbrother but uh, his powers have always come from the gem of Sidorek.
1: oh okay so he is that's why that's why he has a connection to krakoa and to the mutants but he is
0: okay and and black tom cassidy i argue strongly is his husband but uh more conventional wisdom would tell you that they are very close partners in crime who were cellmates together and live together in a big house their husbands i've always insisted as much
1: yeah that yeah okay so that clears that i was very confused i'm like but isn't yeah we're still counting this as part of the part of it because the central conflict was with d-cell the mutant learning growing sadly not being able to
0: rocks tubing yeah.
1: On Krakoa. And I,
0: I like I liked having a book like this that was specifically about the rest of the world, but Krakoa was always looming as a presence. I think those are cool stories to tell in this era, and I think I would love to see more of them. Yeah. Yeah, same.
1: And maybe we will reevaluate whether or not they're considered part of
0: our ranking next time, but I'm I we'll just see. I wonder um, the the concluded miniseries all kind of group up uh, towards the bottom over time. They kind of diminished for me. Yeah. So I, I just I wonder how I'm gonna be feeling about Juggernaut in six months. But right now I feel like very affectionate towards it, and I'd like to remember feeling that way.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it'll fall too much farther because I know you didn't have a lot of prob, uh, you didn't have as many problems with this as some of the other ones that have fallen. Um, but yeah. Ah, uh, Kane Marco.
0: I love what that a, dude. I think he's a great character. A big- What a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's got a lot of pappas. I love him. Pathos. Alright. So, when we come back from the
1: break, we will be discussing something, 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 something. Uh, We'll be in the room where it happened. Bye! Hello podcast listeners, we're the hosts of the DC3 cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So if you like Borat jokes, My no wife. bad to end to Dio impressions. This is bad? What the f and an in-depth look at DC each week. Join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jirgensed
0: with us and welcome back uh this week we are talking about uh characters who got their shot and some who threw who did throw it away as Elias keeps on insisting (laughs) always focusing the only way to be fair always focusing on the negative um it's just who i am (laughs) uh but what that means is um uh, with the mcu and with video games uh, a bunch of characters who i i as like a comics guy as a kid w- um or now would never have expected to see uh like really pop off in the marvel universe have become huge characters like rocket raccoon there was like a funny forgotten marvel miniseries uh that was a reference to a beatles song and then he got brought back in by a cult favorite comic from the mid-2000s which we will soon be reading in great detail great detail and then he was played by bradley cooper in like one of the biggest hit movies of all time and now kids go to school with like rocket raccoon lunchboxes that's what we're talking movie that no one thought was going to be good until the first trailer dropped and people went Wait. I No, I... Fun? This is one of those... I I loved that Guardians of the Galaxy comic, and it, the July 4th weekend that they announced that, I remember uh, reading that on my phone and being like, no way are they making my personal favorite comic for me into a hit movie with Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> and yeah, and now I see kids with like backpacks and shit with Rocket Raccoon, and I think that's wild. So, those are the kinds of characters we're, we want to talk about this month. Um... And Elias and I have been thinking about it. Um, so, Elias, to start with, uh, did you come up with a character who you feel like uh, got their shot uh, at the big time, they took it, and they became high profile?
1: I do. I also think that I don't know how many people will agree with
0: me. That's great. That's what this is all so, about.
1: My, My push, my character is one of my favorite Marvel characters ever, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Doreen Green. No, that's a perfect
0: example, I think.
1: Yeah, and it started with her series, which blew everything out of the water. I think one of the best series Marvel published in the 2010s, hands down, no question. Undisputably, could not agree more. Undisputably. it. I think it rocked the bookstore market. It rocked the main comics market, went out on top. It had one tie-in to one event, and it was amazing. (laughs) How many series can say that? It survived Secret Wars in that just stupid
0: renumbering. Oh, right. A, one, B. The worst thing that uh, Hickman ever did was force those books to renumber for his hubris.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's something. But I I think Doreen has really capitalize on that and being put together with she hasn't been had had a lot in the comics since her series wrapped up and i think part of that is just because it's hard to write for her after ryan north it was just he got the character so well and she doesn't fit in the same way with other team books i think we'll be seeing more of her soon and i hope we see more of her soon I really hope she shows up in
0: Champions. They started putting her in cartoons. Yeah, they cast uh, okay. Melina Vengerova as, as her, and then nothing ever materialized from that. Yeah, I, th- I think it was for
1: one of the like a New Warriors TV show that never got off the ground. Um, but I think she's she's got staying power, and we're going to see a generation of kids who grew up with Kamala Khan, Squirrel Girl. Uh, ghost spider and all those uh, as heroes that they want to see more of
0: yeah and that's kind of the theme of uh, who i was thinking of this because i was thinking of miles morales a miles morales video game came out it was like a huge hit game people know who miles morales is and they're just like yeah he's (laughs) his own spider-man in a way that i never would i was so excited when those comics came out and they didn't have the impact of the character now with a hit movie and a comic book and now people are going back and looking at those comics and they're not my favorite (laughs) Even though it meant so much to me, it's amazing how that can happen. And uh, Carol Danvers was another one I was thinking in a similar way. Where I've been reading, I've been going back and reading some older Marvel stuff lately, just for fun on mm-hmm. on the app. And it's crazy how uh, Carol Danvers over the years has been um, like a character that Marvel seemed embarrassed of, and then they had to redeem her, and they're always redeeming her. And then one day they were just like, you know what? Carol's cool, and they just chilled on that, and now she seems like a real character with real presence. I can't ever see Marvel not publishing Captain Marvel comics, even though a lot of the times they're, you know, I, I forget about them after I'm done with them. But, but I, I know I'm going to keep reading them. Like, I think she's a cool character. I think they, what they, the adventures she goes on are cool, and even if a, there hasn't been, like, a real definitive run, like some characters I've had, I love that she gets a bunch of whatever runs, and one day when she has the most definitive run that's my favorite, I'll point to that. Love it. I l- so,
1: Let me, I'm going to give you a really good example of this because I didn't know a Captain Marvel other than Carol. I knew of Marvel and him showing up in like the Earth's Mightiest Avengers cartoon. But for me, Captain Marvel was always Carol Danvers. And I think it's basically the Deconic era on. I didn't know any of the others. And that's the only Carol Danvers I really understood. I, I'm sure I've read a couple issues of Ms. Marvel from the Civil War era. Cause Where she's in the swimsuit read costume? Those issues. But
0: I don't remember anything about it. And it's crazy because once she put on that uh, Captain Marvel costume, that swimsuit costume, it just got like erased mm-hmm. from our memories. <laughs> <laughs> when I see it, every time I see it now, I'm shocked. I forgot that she used to wear that. It seems so unlike her character. Mm-hmm. Now, have they... um yeah. And her new costume seems uh, so in accordance with characters. It's like a flight suit. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I I think Miles is going to be one of those characters. Miles has done the impossible and made sure that a Spider-Man character actually survived post-Peter Parker. Get Venom out of here. He doesn't count.
0: Man, you got a real hate-on for Venom right now.
1: He doesn't count. He's, He's not a... He's, he's, like, a, he's got his own special thing going
0: on. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Uh, but, like, I love Kate Bishop. But Kate Bi- And there's a Kate Bishop TV show coming out. Maybe that's going to give her a big moment. I know she's had, like, a couple of solo series. And she's, like, definitely... never lasted. Um, yeah, you never got the feeling... When you make it as a Marvel character, you get, like... You either have uh, this, like, huge cultural impact or you're just, like, never going away in the comics. They just, like, keep on publishing in uh, comics with you. And even if the series gets canceled you know in a couple years they're going to come back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, that's not the case for a Kate Bishop comic. I don't know the next time they're going to. Maybe she'll be in like a team book, but I don't know.
1: I really hope so. Yeah. I love Kate Bishop.
0: but Yeah, yeah I love all those characters we're talking about. Yeah. Um, even though some characters get a shot and then they really blow it. Like yep. um, they get a big push and it seems like they're going to happen and then it just like blows up in their face. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Oh yeah, I, I picked I think one of the quintessential characters for this. Uh, ben Riley. <laughs> Scarlet
0: Spider. Yeah, I don't God even like Ben Riley. I, I always try to like Ben Riley and I can't bring myself to do it.
1: So for those who don't know who Ben Riley is, back in the 90s or actually earlier than that there was a miniseries called The Clone Saga. Uh, and there was a clone of Peter Parker made and a clone of Gwen Stacy. It was a whole thing. And it was the first one was very well regarded. And then the clone either died or disappeared or something.
0: It disappeared Mysteriously. In the 90s,
1: myster- mysteriously. And then in the 90s, Marvel editorial was like, you know what? We need six Spider-Man books all running the same thing. And also there are going to be a million clones and it's going to be convoluted and no one's going to love it. Uh, but I guess enough people did like it because they sent out an entire collection. There are four Omnibi collecting these things.
0: I feel like th- there, everyone must have been doing coke and just being like, put more clones in it! And then just like <laughs> like egging each other on. You just get like a. From reading the story, that's what it I, I, I have no notion that this is what was happening in the Marvel offices. But like, from reading the story, you just get all these like uh, grab assy, coked up bros just like yelling dares at each other. That's what it reads like.
1: Yeah, so Ben Riley, he shows up. He is the clone of Peter Parker. He shows up again during the the Clone Saga, and at some point, Marvel editorial wanted to replace Peter Parker because they thought he was getting too old. And if they have a clone, they can perpetually keep him young because reasons. Worked for Magneto. They worked for Magneto. Yeah. So they said, no, Peter Parker is actually the clone. Uh, and so Peter said, uh, you know, throws up his hands, goes to brood, and gives up the Spider-Man uh, mantle to Ben Riley, and Ben Riley takes over and becomes Spider-Man. But it takes him a little while, uh, and he's uh, Scarlet Spider, and he spends about 30 issues kind of going, "But I'm not the real Spider-Man, and how could I lose my my time?" And it's uh, he's a real drip. anyway. He's a wh- he's whiny. And after a while, they realize, no, maybe Ben Riley kind of sucks. And so they pull a switcheroo and say, no, Peter was actually the real Peter the whole time. And something, something happened. And it's done a million times better in Chip Zdarsky's Spider-Man life story. Yeah. but uh, If you want to read a good version of the Clone Saga, read that. Yeah. But Ben Riley, he was given a chance. He really screwed it up. And then he came back. Back uh, in like the mid-2010s yeah. I'm sure there was stuff in between As the Scarlet Spider And he was dicking around
0: Las Vegas for a while And then he became the Jackal Yeah, I read all that stuff And none of it made me like or care about Ben Riley.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's dead now I don't know. Whenever something happened at the end of Slots Run with him, that's what the clone conspiracy is.
0: Whenever I'm at a con, some someone always goes up to the mic at the Q and As and is always just like, "Hey, when are you bringing back Ben Riley?" And you could just tell that the Marvel people are just like, "Ugh, you people are always asking us this, but you never buy comics." Yeah, and he could. He probably the the problem is he could
1: have been, he could have been a decent replacement if they just did something with him. If they just did something.
0: Um, but yeah, he that's enough whining about about whiny Ben Riley. Uh yeah, he needs something. Um when I think of characters that uh had like a big shop and really blew it. My quintessential <laughs> ex- uh, example is the Inhumans. <laughs> oh my god. Now uh, yeah, that's yeah, in the uh, Annihilation, Guardians of the Galaxy, War of Kings epic, we're gonna get a bunch of Inhuman stuff, and I love the Inhumans in that, and you really see how they can function. Like if X Men was more about like uh, alliance marriages and Game of Thrones assassinations, mm-hmm. um, and it's like weird and mythic, and they're always finding these like lost planets with this uh, crown that it will make you uh, ally to houses, just you know, like real like King Arthur shit on top of it. Mm-hmm. And then you, they they're doing that this big push for uh, the Inhumans, uh, with Inhumanity uh, during Hickman's Avengers run after Infinity. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Inhumanity. That was. Uh, it the, was. I gonna be. I started reading.
0: That's when you started reading.
1: Uh yeah, that's that's about when I started reading because I, I did a big reread of a lot of the the big events and then. I got to Inhumanity, read that, and then started reading some of the stuff that spun out of
0: it. I missed a bunch of the Inhuman stuff, like Royals and whatnot. Now I read almost all that stuff, and I really liked a lot of it. I it um yeah the there was a black bolt the well the black bolt was uh, the only series I think is going to have a big lasting impact. But Charles sold did a bunch of uh just like Inhuman superhero team books that were really fun mm-hmm. that I own all in trade. I like them so much, and then there was a bunch of weirdo runs that spun off of that. And there was an Al Ewing run, and it was just doomed from the start because everyone was so mad about how hard Marvel was marketing and humans pushing in humans killing off characters and replacing them with inhumans. It was just so thirsty and desperate that everyone was so <laughs> repulsed by that book that even the fact that these creators were putting out like excellent books, uh, just what like the impact it was all having on the universe was just too annoying, and it was never going to hit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because the Inhumans have basically died. I think part of that was also the failure of the TV show.
0: Yeah. And I was and I was. Yeah. How could you forget the uh, terrible Inhumans TV show? That was like the really stubborn brainchild of some like millionaire vampire freak who uh, was just like, we need to compete with the other millionaires who own the rights to our characters. These are the war of millionaires. And that just became the story of the Inhumans. Just everything, it just became so toxic. Everything that it touched, it just made everyone be like, ah, oh, enough with this. <laughs> and it's sad because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: did the Inhumans right. It
0: was all right. They did some whatever stuff with the Inhumans. Hey,
1: hey, hey. Don't, don't don't knock later season agents of. Shield. no i like agents I like of shield show.
0: agents of Shield's kind of a weirdly good show it has a bad first season and then the rest of it's really good
1: yeah it, yeah it really it really did
0: agent ward <laughs> um from agent ward on when he with the twist with him anyway but this isn't a, the agents of shield never really had a shot that they blew they got exactly as much of a chance as they deserved and they did not rise to the occasion um the only other At first character i want to uh, mention is um my perennial favorite iron fist has been given like multiple shots and just like i get it maybe we got to put that boy old boy to bed yeah
1: it might be it might just be time um it might just be time he's got to pass on his mantle but i gotta yeah, he's gotta stop punching that
0: dragon um i guess i um as long as we're talking about uh, characters that blew it we should also uh, ask ourselves uh, who are characters who have been given multiple chances who never deserved it? Because I think Iron Fist has a bunch of redeeming qualities. I love that he's like a lovable himbo. I love that um, he's just like a supportive guy uh, wandering around and uh, tripping into adventures.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's a fun character to follow, but there's some characters who have been given a huge shot, who so I don't think uh, were that interesting at all.
1: So I I picked specifically headliners of books in like like superheroes. I didn't pick supervillains because otherwise Norman Osborn would be top of this list. Um, <laughs> I think he should have been put out to pasture as a character a long, long time ago. Uh, they just keep bringing him back in worse and worse ways. He might have peaked in like Dark Rain. <laughs> Maybe. And that may even be have been like the second peak. But the person I picked, which may be a bit of a shock, Tony Stark. Wow. Yeah, I think he has been given a few too many. I think it's not that he doesn't necessarily deserve chances, but I think he's been given a lot of chances after being like sent out like he's being transitioned out
0: and then they just bring him back in. Yeah. and i'm tired of that. Well, there's just like there, there's always an, I, iron, uh, an Iron Man series, but like how many good Iron Man series are there? How many great Iron Man series are there? Any? Yeah. I know I know one of my friends will disagree
1: because she really likes Iron Man, but i think Tony Stark should probably have been replaced by like six or seven different times uh in in the position of Iron Man. I don't think he's a character that you know, should just be sent away forever. But I think as the headliner, I think he has overstayed his welcome.
0: Um, Yeah, that's pretty compelling. Um, And I'm not really going to dispute it because I uh, happen to feel that a character who um, maybe similarly, we got to really rethink what we're doing with them, is a Black Widow. Oh, I thought you were going to say Peter Parker. Uh, Peter Parker is a classic. I'm sorry,
1: but- barry allen
0: barry allen that's a, that's our other podcast although yeah maybe barry allen can maybe barry allen can black take a widow really yeah now here's the thing with black widow is um uh, they put her in the in the movies and that really uh, raised her profile in a way where she became more integral to the avengers than ever in my experience but my, I, I've read a lot of comics with Black Widow that I've liked before, but the key feature of Black Widow as an interesting character is that she's duplicitous. And mm-hmm. if you feel like that's sexist, that's because it is. She was, like, conceived <laughs> under sexism, so there's a lot of sexism into that uh, put into that character. Um, and the movies took out her duplicitous nature in any real way.
1: Um, yeah, I, I guess it's kind of, sort of there in, uh, what's it called? They, they allude to it as... In, in Iron Man 2.
0: Yeah, they, they allude to it a couple of times, almost like they're playing tribute to her duplicitous nature in this winking MCU sort of way. But there's never any dramatic tension. And in Black Widow stories, there's real tension where, like, um, Nick Fury is saying you have to work with Black Widow, and you're like, ah, but Black Widow always betrays people. Um, and then Nick Fury's like, well, you got to work with her. She's the only one who's got the intel. And then the whole thing, you're, like, waiting for the moment that she's going to sell you out to the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like what a uh, Black Widow stories were were like when I was growing up. But then she does sell you out to the bad guys. But then it's part of a triple cross, and she really had an even better plan. And you should have trusted her all along. Mm-hmm. You, you know something like that. But there's never any tension with Black Widow in the movies. And so they take away her duplicity and they replace it with just like absolutely nothing. And then this really reflected into the comics. She's um she's angsty, I guess, in this pretty boring way that um I, I I'm uninterested in reading without any other motivation. And sometimes she's Mm kind of driven and determined, but she doesn't have a rogues gallery or a supporting cast. It's just this very thin, sexist character that they started removing the sexist bits from and then giving her nothing else. And I think, finally, I'm really enjoying a Black Widow series with uh, uh, Kelly Thompson's writing one right now, and it's really fun. It's got, like, a Born Identity vibe. Um,
1: Kelly's very good at that.
0: Oh, yeah. Just, like, uh, Kelly can spin anything into gold. Um, But I think, generally, as a character... um, we need to uh, i i don't know why we're so determined to make black widow a headliner when she makes so much more sense as a supporting character and if that's because she's one of like the few female characters we have then like that's a real problem we need to start boosting all the wonderful female characters in the marvel universe who have been sidelined yeah that sounds about right that's my uh, my controversial opinions on black widow so i hope i uh, so i respect Well, i respect your opinions on tony stark because how can i say <laughs> different
1: yeah, Tony, Tony is a bit uh, a bit more controversial, I think, than than Black Widow. Although Black Widow is more controversial than than might have been, she's just been given a lot of shots. But we've talked a lot now about the characters that you know we don't really think they they messed up or they should not have done this. But who should be getting their shot? Who's most deserving of a shot? I I am assuming when when we decided this it was one that has not really gotten one that
0: may have had like a few things but have not gotten one before. Yeah, I have a uh, t- I have a ton of characters and we could uh, we could nitpick what uh getting a shot entails but Yeah. But I picked Darkhawk. Wow. I didn't know you were a Darkhawk fan. I
1: was turned into a Darkhawk fan. By the like Infinity Warps, Marvel Legacy one shot stuff, because I'm just really interested in what the heck is going on. It it's probably because it reminds me a bit of like Rom, and I really like the Rom the you know the Space Knight stuff, and they can't really do that because Hasbro has the rights to Rom, Uh, but I really want. More, like, just Marvel cosmic stuff that has literally nothing to do with superheroes, maybe. And gets kind of wrapped up in, in its own stuff. And we're kind of getting the stuff that I really like from the Higgins and Groom, uh, what's it called, uh, Ultraman stuff? I don't know if you've been reading that. But that, that feel, I'm really digging that, and I want
0: more Dark Hawk. Well, I have good news for you, pertaining to Darkhawk, which is uh, you'll be reading a Darkhawk mini I really like as part of the Annihilation saga. Yes. There's a really good Darkhawk part in the middle. Hell yeah. Um. What do you? Who did you pick? I mean, Darkhawks a really compelling answer for that. That's a character who um, he's gotten little series here and there, and he's got a cool central premise. But I have a whole. Uh... Oh. Got a list. I just got a whole list of ones that um. Hmm. Uh, so one, just like speaking of cool Marvel cosmic stuff, um, I remember being really mad when Phyla Vell and Moondragon weren't part of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie because um, I first like Phyla Vell is like a founding member of the Guardians, is super integral to it, and Moon Dragon is there as part of like the mythology that she joins shortly after, um, mm-hmm. you know, for complicated death and resurrection reasons, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, they're um, a couple. I don't know that they're explicitly married. I don't know what space marriage looks like, but they're like as good as a married couple in space. Currently, they are in
1: in, in Guardians, I think.
0: Yeah, this... so they may not be like legally paper bind marriage. Yeah, I just think, and also the way we talk about that now is different than how we talked about it ten years ago. Yeah, um, but like they're supposed to be a married couple. One of them is a powerful psychic who can turn into a dragon exactly once and then never turn back. And one of them is, um, can fly through space and she's super strong and she's got a cool energy sword and like, yeah, they're, they're part, when the guardians movie didn't include them, the comics started acting like they never existed. Um, no one remembered them. Nobody mentioned them. And now finally we're seeing them again, but I feel like that was a lot of damage to the character's profile, like disrespectful to them as characters and, like, yeah. pretty shady to do with one of your few gay couples when you're making their superhero team movie a, uh, a big deal. And you're just like, ah, but can we leave the gays behind? I think that's a pretty bad look. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, I'm excited for you to experience them for the first time in the Annihilation Saga, as we'll be reading it. Can you guys tell I'm excited? This is one of my favorite comics. Um,
1: Jake has been raving about it for months. He's been trying to get it on the list for a while. And eventually, he, he kind of just he he made a convincing argument. Um. So we'll ah. talk about that in, uh, in a
0: second. Yeah. Um, well, because uh, a character who has nothing to do with that is um, one of, probably my like f- my weird favorite Marvel pick, which is Taskmaster. I think he's the coolest, the best Chasky. villain. Yeah, and every so often, tasky friends get thrown a bone, and they do a fun miniseries, and I'm like, ah, Taskmaster. Or he shows up as a supporting character, which he makes sense as. But, like, guys, if Deathstroke can be a thing, then Taskmaster can be a thing. He's got a sword. He can copy your memories. His memory's all messed up. He trains supervillains for a living. Uh, He's, like, a real uh, rough-and-tumble guy. I just love me some Taskmaster. And... I know he's going to be in the Black Widow movie and I'm pretty sure it's going to be very little uh, resembling my beloved Tony Masters.
1: Especially considering the movie is how many years
0: delayed? Uh, A decade? Well, that's the thing about prequels is you can keep on delaying them. Ah, jeez. And, um... just uh, for other book club reasons, I'm really interested in Thunderbolt. I think Thunderbolt is such a cool concept. They haven't been seen in... They, they they did a bunch of different stuff with it, and we haven't seen them in a while. But um, I love having a Marvel villain team book. Um, Spoilers. Uh, that's what Thunderbolts has been recently. They turned it into, like, a Suicide Squad thing later. Um, oh, yeah. And... Um, and I really love um, the idea of doing that in the MCU. How much fun would it be to get all the different villains, the actors who are like, alive at the end of their respective movies, and make a little movie about them on a team together?
1: Yeah. I, I think it would have been
0: very interesting to kind of set it during the snap, or even right after Oh yeah, that would really resemble the comics. Or I was thinking you'd make that a tie into Civil War, and then you don't uh, resolve the Civil War within the movie. You introduce it. Which why are you doing Civil War as a movie, you guys? It's in a uh, yeah. Um, they tried, but yeah, I think the Thunderbolts are um, a super cool idea, and there's like a lot of different ways you could do it. I just think the concept of them should be a mainstay at Marvel. I don't think there should ever be a time without Thunderbolts
1: that's fair uh i think we'll get more into you know all all those thunderbolty goodness next time but before we do we've got we've got to ring that bell gotta bring it back to the mat it's time for the marvel undisputed world heavyweight championship belt
0: god as my witness that belt is broken in half I'm sure, it's not been broken into like seven pieces. Um, well, it depends. Um, I am assuming uh, your tumultuous championship has been passed around yet again. Uh, no, actually. Oh my goodness! Uh, my
1: book is still Power Pack, Rest- even though there was not an issue in this in between last recording and this one.
0: Just nothing I, beat I'm
1: it. Still number one on my list. I could not get it out of my head. Uh, every time I read something, I'm like, "Yeah, but it's not Power Pack."
0: Oh, that's really pure. That's really cool when that happens.
1: And I think part of it was also just the final like teaser page. It's
0: just so good. It's just so good. I love it. Um, that's a really strong pick. I that that book has also uh been stuck in my craw. But and uh th- and this month that uh, Power Pack was in contention. Daredevil like stepped up and um, really impressed me but what happened for me this month is my winner is for the first time an X-Book oh wow is becoming the, uh, my heavyweight champ and that is The New Mutants by Vita Yala <sighs> with art by Rod Reese is just like my favorite thing I really feel like those issues I like. I. I cannot overstate how strong I found the writing in those issues and, um, and Rod Reese has been my favorite art on X-Men since he came to the, the books so, I yeah, this is, like, my perfect book right now. I read every page for much longer than I do any other book, and I really take it all in. It's like I, I could not overstate. I've always liked Vita, but um, sometimes they have been on series that have interested me less than this one. And this one I'm just, like, really grooving, and I feel like this is the most I've ever clicked with uh, Vita's writing, which is a great feeling.
1: Yeah. And I'm assuming them taking over New Mutants also means that Morbius is probably very dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How sad. Maybe he's one that that was deserving of a shot, but instead he's getting a Jared Leto movie.
0: Yeah, I don't wish that fate upon anyone. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well. Well. Such is how it goes. We talked a lot about
0: New Mutants earlier, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we should talk about it next time because we have some big plans of cooking.
1: Yeah, so next time we have our regular Marvel book club, but instead of coming back after that with our usual Baseline X, a topic, and and our heavyweight, uh, we are going to be doing, and we'll talk more about it in the next episode, we are going to be doing a big mini-series of the entire Annihilation Saga. Spoilers, but also this way it gives you a little bit more time to, you know, get started uh, at least preparing it we'll reveal exactly what we're reading in the next episode but it's going to be a whole bunch of episodes we're just going to be going oh it's like 150 issues in total it's going to be a lot it's going to be over a lot of weeks
0: Yeah, it's going to be months of the podcast I'm really excited or this is going to be a disaster and for months Elias is going to hate my favorite book and I'm just going to wither but maybe that will be really engaging (laughs) podcast material that's kind of up to you the listener and what you're into um, yeah. But in the meantime, if you're following along with us, next episode we are going to be uh, reading Thunderbolts Classic, which is uh, by Kurt Busick. Um, and I'm going to list the issues because uh, it's kind of a weird collection of issues. And uh, Last and I are reading everything from it. But you can find it in a trade as Thunderbolts Classic Volume 1, Kurt Busick's Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issues are Thunderbolts number one to five thunderbolt's distant rumblings number negative one thunderbolt's annual 97 incredible hulk number 449 spider-man team-up number seven and some parts of tales of the marvel universe number one if you're an issues person somehow and you want to like track those down text us uh, tweet at us we want to hear about that experience that sounds wild Uh, But if if you're reading it on the app or um, are reading it in trade, you're just going to want the Thunderbolts Classic Volume 1 Kurt Busiek collection. Everything in there is what you want to be reading.
1: Yeah. And
0: I think that's about it. So, Jake, where can they find you on the larger interwebs? Um, You can mostly find me on multiversitycomics.com. I do the monthly Mutantversity X-Men newsletter slash column. And you can find me on Twitter at rambling underscore moose, where I tweet about a lot of stuff. Sometimes X Men. Where about you, Elias? Where are you found? I can be found on
1: Twitter at Quetzel-ish. That's Q U E T, E Z. I lost the spelling. I don't think you're destined to get Twitter followers. No, I'm. I'm not. I. I don't expect it. My writing is. It's something else. All right. Let me. Let me. Take two. Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. There we go. Getting it on the second time. I should not have been given a second shot. Uh, You can also find me writing over here at multiversitycomics.com, where I am still covering Riverdale and all its strange, strange antics. uh, As well as writing for WebComics Weekly, where I've been covering Dr. Frost, which is always a lot of fun
0: i really like that series yeah uh, but and that's about it yeah guys river wild i hear see you next time see ya